Will you turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, please? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. When we dedicated Zara Leah Ruth this morning, I thought, you know, it's good to have something that we could speak on the name of the baby that's being dedicated. We could have spoke much on Leah because Leah is a biblical name. We could have spoke much on Ruth because Ruth is a biblical name. We weren't stuck for it this morning. Some dedications, I try to do it. And, but I want to, it's not just your ordinary message, a little, here's a nice little thought message, but it's something I ask the Lord to give me for the people, for the church, and for also maybe those who have come in who are not saved. And so when we look at this, I didn't go with Leah, I didn't go with Ruth, but I went with the name Zara. Now Zara in the Bible is a name, but it's a man's name. We're still going to go with Zara. Zara is a man's name, although now it's, I think, almost completely a, a girl's name, I think. Um, there may be a man somewhere, I don't know any. But we are going to look at Zara because they are mentioned here in the Scriptures in the New Testament just this once and then seem to disappear, but yet there's so much in the name of Zara this morning. And while we're, we're also looking uh, at this this morning, we have the joy of this dedication, with the joy of seeing a wee baby being brought forward to pray with her. Beautiful wee baby girl. But, you know, on the other hand, we would ask you, church, to pray for the Gilliland family this morning. Um, Mark's mommy, June, uh, died, and I will be uh, burying his mommy this afternoon, straight after the tent. So it shows you how his mummy was saved one month ago. 82 years of age, got saved one month ago, and now she is ready for the kingdom. She's ready for glory. But, you know, it shows you that we have a child and an older lady, a baby girl and an older lady, one just starting out, God willing, with long, healthy, happy life, should the Lord tarry. And there's another one wrapping up life, finishing for her, not knowing that she would have been by today going to be buried this afternoon. Within a couple of days. Do you know what she said? One morning at 5, 5.30, I think it was, she phoned her son. She says, Mark, I got out of bed and got on my knees and I asked Jesus to save me. And a month later, she died. And on her last breath, you know what she was saying in her last moments? Saved just one month. She said, get people to pray, but ask them to pray that the Lord would just take me right now. Not heal me, take me. Because she knew, save one month, she knew the assurance of the forgiveness of her sins. And she knew the assurance of that she would be with Christ, which is far better. Pray for the family, especially for Mark and his family at this time. Matthew chapter 1, please. And verse 1 reads like this. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judas and his brethren. 
Now, the Judas there is not Judas Iscariot. This is away in the Old Testament. This is Judah, the son Judah from the patriarch of the tribe of Judah. Verse 3, And Judas, or Judah, begot Phares and Zara. There's the name in the New Testament of Thamor. And Phares begot Ezrom, and Ezrom begot Aram. And when you go on down that list, Zara has now disappeared. Two brothers, Zara and Phares. And Zara has now disappeared. But Phares becomes the line from which King David comes from. I think it's roughly seven or eight grandsons later, in generations down. And then, of course, from there comes the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see him right down through here. So Phares was the line. But we're going to look at the story for a few moments. Will you turn with me to Genesis chapter 38? Genesis 38, please. And beginning to read at verse 27. Judah, the son of Jacob, Israel, Jacob, whose name has changed to Israel, Judah, his fourth son by Leah. So there you are, Leah. Got you in there after all. We find that Judah, he has... uh, He's actually laying with his daughter-in-law, and he didn't realize it. For in the law, she was to, her husband Ur had died, and his brother was to bring uh, the posterity from there. So he was to uh, give children to her, and he didn't want to either, and he refused to. And the girl had a hard time. She was put away, but she disguised herself, and she actually lay with her father-in-law. And these children are born, Phares and Zara, from it. Now note in verse 27, it says, And it came to pass in the time of her travail, that behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed, that the one put out his hand, and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread. You can underline that, it's very important. Saying, this came out first. Notice, the one with a scarlet thread round the hand by the midwife the hand, this came out first. Verse 29. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out, and she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Phares. So now the hand retracts. The brother is born, and his name is Phares, which means breach. And the midwife is, how does this even happen? Notice here in verse 30, And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was Zara. Sometimes in the Hebrew we call him Zara, Z-E-R-A-H, but here we have Zara. And so hence we have this story of the scarlet thread. Phares becomes the line of the king, of the crown. Hence David comes from his uh, King David who writes the Psalms and King in Israel, he becomes uh, from his line and from him comes right down through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the crown through Phares and we have the scarlet thread through Zara. Note here, Zara, the scarlet thread or the hand with the scarlet thread The word here for scarlet, or as we would say more, it's a red color, a red color. It's the word shani, 
in the Hebrew language, and it, it actually takes its color uh, from a worm called the Tola worm. The Tola worm. And the Tola worm is more like a little grub. And it used to fix itself to a tree over its young brood. And there it stayed fixed to the tree. And when it died, the red dye, it's a little red grub. When it died, the red blood covered its children. And the red blood stained the tree. Okay, so and then when the blood was out of it, it became, it was pure white and turned into a type of wax. So they took these tola worms and out of it came the scarlet, the shiny color. And so they would have used them and crushed them down and used them for different sorts of dyes. Hence there was a thread put around Zara's hand at his birth when his hand came out of the womb. Now take note here, there's something we must really look at. In Isaiah 41 and verse 14, if you can get to it in your Bible, good enough, if not, jot it down and follow me later on then. Isaiah 41 verse 14, listen to what the Lord says through the prophet, away later on from Zara, away down the line through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and way past Moses and so on. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 41 and 14. Fear not thy worm, Jacob. He said Jacob was a worm. The word here is tola, as a tola worm. That white, waxy worm filled with red blood, as though you and I would show blood on her face, so the tola worm shows its blood. But notice he says, Fear not thy worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. Notice what he says, I will help thee. The Lord says, Jehovah God said, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Here we have the, the living God shown as he would manifest himself in the Scriptures. First of all, the Lord is Jehovah God. The Redeemer is Gael. When you had someone close to you, they had to take and redeem you back. They were their, your next of kin. And so Christ becomes next of kin, our Redeemer. Jehovah in flesh. Here we have the Son. And then we have the Holy One, the Kadosh. Is the Holy Spirit is the, the Kadosh, the Holy Spirit of God to Israel. And God revealed and manifests Himself as Father, as Son, and Holy Spirit. And He says, I will help you. You're a worm? Sounds... A terrible this day if someone says you're a worm. But what God is saying, you're unable to save yourself. You're unable to help yourself. You are as the little worm, but I am your God. That's what he's saying. I'm here to help you. I'm your God. I will come. I will redeem. And only through my spirit will you understand. So when you're unsaved, you can't understand the things of God. When you're unsaved, you can't understand them because you're dead in sin. And so the Holy One, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes and enables us to know the things of God. Enables us to be able to realize our sin and our need of a Savior. And that Christ is the only Savior. And He draws us. He draws us to the cross and He draws us to Christ. So notice here, salvation is off the Lord. And he says, Jacob, you're, this is Jacob's descendants, but they're called Jacob. He says, you're a worm, you're a tola. 
you're a worm. You're like the Tola worm. The word worm, many times in Scripture, is not Tola, but the word Ramah. And it means what you and I would exactly think of. A worm. You go fishing with a worm, put it on the end of your hook. It actually gives the idea of a maggot sometimes. So it actually does mean worm as Rama is what you and I would understand as a worm. The thing about this is, is in Exodus 16 and verse 24, when Israel were in captive with Pharaoh, I'm sure we've all heard the stories, if you don't, aren't familiar with the scriptures, uh, Israel are in captivity under Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord tells them, pardon me, they, they are released from captivity and they're in the wilderness and they're hungry and the Lord gives them manna and he says, just pick the manna up for every day. Just take enough for the one day. Don't take for two. Take enough for one day. You see, it was trusting God for his provision of manna. Trusting God for their families. They were going to bed at night. They were putting their children to bed. They were in their tents. And many of my sure had that little wobble that some of us have of doubting when they, they would go to bed. What am I going to feed my children on tomorrow? And brothers and sisters, I'm sure some of you, even strong in faith at time, have had that little bit of doubt where maybe something's, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to pay this bill? What about our job? What about my finances? Or what about whatever? And it's learning that, that God is always, always, looking after you. And it's learning that God is the one who meets our every need and it's going to bed as it were. And when Israel were going to bed to sleep, the ovens of heaven were baking as it were. In other words, they got up in the morning and the manna was on the ground just as God said. They had to learn to trust in every aspect of their life. And in Exodus chapter 16, they're told, take for one day, some would have gathered for two. And if they gathered for two, unfortunately, what happened? Well, they gathered for two, worms came. It bred maggots and worms. The the Ramah worm comes and eats it up. But when they gathered for one, God always blessed the next day with more. And notice here also, he says in Exodus 16 and verse 24, he tells them, only coming up to the Sabbath, gather for two days. Well, there's trusting God again for every time we've done this. It's failed. Worms of bread. And when they done it exactly as God said, the worms didn't come into the manna on the Sabbath day. The Ramah worm, that is. When you turn with me to uh, Exodus, uh, pardon me, Mark, I'll get it right yet, Mark, chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, please. Let your eye run down the chapter to verse 42. Mark chapter 9, verse 42. And the Lord Jesus now is the speaker. I want you to note this. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. Verse 42. And whosoever shall be offended and one of these little, shall offend one of these little ones. Sorry, let me just get a bit of light more in this. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. 
Now, nobody says, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life being than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off, for it is better for thee to enter, halt into life, having two feet, to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm doth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, than having two eyes, to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. The Lord Jesus tells us this morning, He says it's better to cut off a hand, a foot, and pluck out an eye. Now, we don't want you literally to do that. It's not literally for you to do that. He says then to be cast into hell fire, where their worm, he says their worm, notice the term, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, giving the idea of eternity here, longevity. But take note here, friends, this morning. The idea of this is whoever or whatever, whoever or whatever is holding you back from Christ, whoever or whatever is holding you back from coming to Christ, from whoever or whatever is holding you back. People say, I couldn't get saved because my family this or my family that. Or I, I couldn't give my life to Christ because my work colleagues or because I like a drink or because I do this other. Or. Listen, I understand those things because that was my excuse until the day and hour I realized that I was heading to the place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And these are the words of the loving Jesus, meek in mind. Whatever or whoever is holding you back, and whatever has become or is a stumbling block to you, for you to go to the cross and be forgiven of your sin, get rid of it. And get rid of them. In the sense, do not allow them to hold you back. Notice here the Puritan John Trapp. Listen to what he said. A child with a spoon may sooner empty the sea than the damned accomplish their misery. I want to say it again. A child with a spoon may sooner empty the sea than the damned accomplish Accomplish their misery. In other words, you cannot empty the sea with a little spoon, a child trying to empty the ocean. Neither will eternity end. And it's whether we are with Christ, which is far better, in His glorious and wonderful kingdom of heaven, or are we in the lake of fire? Doomed and damned for all eternity, where there's more chance of a child emptying the sea with a spoon than there is for your release from that damnation. 
Notice here, Jesus said, their worm. Their worm, personal worm. It is believed that this word worm is... It is something to give us an idea of one's own particular worm. So the unsaved one, one to the other, might be different than someone else. It might not be a literal worm. It could be a remorse forever. Not only torment, but a remorse, a mental remorse in our eternal state. A remorse because of the rejection of the cross work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing and eating away forever that there was an opportunity and a chance that you could have been saved by the grace of God. A remorse for rejecting the blood of Christ. A remorse for rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. A remorse forever and ever and ever. I remember one time when I pastored in Dublin. And standing outside, it was right on the corner where Grafton Street comes up and there's St. Stephen's Green and the road came round. And we had a wee church in here on the left-hand side and all the people would have lined along the bus stop. So I felt I had a captive audience. And every night it was packed and I used to ask people, would you take a tract? You take a tract. You take a tract. Up and down the bus queues. Then when the bus was empty till, till they made their way to line along again, people coming along, would you like a tract? And I gave a tract out one time. And this lady took the tract and she walked away like this, reading it. And she looks at me and she comes back again. She stuck it back in my hand. Stuck it back in my hand. I don't believe in that. I says, that's fine, thank you. She says, what? Expecting an argument. I says, that's fine, thank you. She goes to walk away and I said, do you know there's no unbelievers in hell? She spun around on her heels to me, angry. What do you mean there's no unbelievers in hell? Should you people believe that unbelievers go to hell? I says, oh yes we do. But there's no unbelievers in hell because they believe when they're there. It's where their worm dieth not. Where the fire is not quenched. Here's what I want you to think of this morning. I wrote this, and actually when I wrote it, my phone went while I was in the office and it was Michael. And this is what I just finished up writing. Wild friends turn up and then head to the bar or the club to toast your passing friendship and your legacy of memory when you die. While your work colleagues look for a replacement in your post, then move on without you. While your close family and loved ones mourn your passing and your death. While some may scramble for your goods, your earthly wares. And others come to contest for your will and their possible portion in it. Remember this. Before they leave the cemetery, 
before they leave the cemetery, I borrow the words of John Trapp. There's worms for the body and a devil for the soul. Remember that. You're the one who's left there. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The total worm is known in our modern day as a caucus electus worm. This little worm with red dye in it. Strange because Psalm 22 is the psalm of the cross. Prophetic psalm of the cross. In Psalm 22 and verse 6. David says this under the spirit and anointing of the Holy Ghost. Listen to what he says. And it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I am a worm. Tola worm it is. I am a worm and no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. That's David speaking with God himself. In other words, Christ himself spoke to David. David wrote it down, and it was about Jesus coming in the future. I am a worm, he says, and no man. Christ was despised and rejected of men, we're told. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's why the world, that's why people hate and reject the Lord Jesus Christ. But I am a worm, a total worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. In other words, listen, brothers and sisters. Since this is prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ, since this is prophetic of Him coming to die on the cross, Psalm 22 is the psalm of the cross. Being the total worm, it means that He is typified as the one who would bleed and the one who would die and when he dies to cover his people in his own blood. And the wood would be stained with the blood of Christ. Think about this. 1,000 years before he came. 1,000 years before he was born. 1,000 years, he speaks to David about his son coming, and there his son dies on Calvary. 1,000 years, and it's about the Tola worm representing, I have become flesh. He came from the heavens to the earth, and there he became flesh. And he died for us. Notice here, Jacob in the Old Testament with Leah. Strange how you pick these names because they all fit in with each other today. Jacob in the Old Testament with Leah had six sons and one daughter, Dinah. Judah, as I said, is the fourth son of Jacob with Leah. And hence Judah had Phares, the crown, the kingly line of Judah, and Zara, the line of the scarlet thread. Scarlet thread in the scriptures speaks of the blood of Christ. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Judah means praise. Phares means breach. 
Zara means to lift up or to raise up. To lift up like the sun coming up, as it were, in the east. To lift up. This hand with the scarlet thread gives the idea of an uplifted red hand. Sound familiar to you? (laughs) A bloody red hand lifted up. Sarah soon goes out of the picture, as it were. But it said he went with his family then populated Troy and Greece and around there to the Greek islands into Spain where there's a city there today called Zaragoza. Stronghold of Zara, it means. And even the Apostle Paul in Romans 15, in verses 24 and 28, he mentions that he is intended to go to Spain. This population of Judah. Paul was to go to visit. The word Tamar, as we close this, thank you for your attention, or Tamar. It means palm tree. Strange that word, palm tree. Why would you call someone palm tree? It gives the idea to be upright. Palm tree is tall and upright with its branches come out. It gives the idea of cover. A palm tree of strength and a palm tree of cover gives the idea of righteousness in the Scriptures. For example... In Psalm 92 and verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, it says. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. So palm trees are like righteousness. When we get to John 12 and verse 13, it says, They took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him, that is the Lord Jesus, And they cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Remember the story, they take off the palm leaves and they straw them before him. Gives the idea of righteousness coming to Jerusalem. The righteous king, the righteous God, the righteous savior. And they start saying, Hosanna means save, oh save. Or it would go, Hosanna, Hosanna, Baruch Abab, Hashem Aranai. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. The sons of Joseph later on would come out of Egypt with all of Israel. They come out under the blood of the Lamb. And there in Exodus 15 and verse 27, listen to what it says, And they came to Elam, there were twelve wells of water and three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Notice twelve wells of water, three score and ten palm trees. If you were to read of Jacob going into Egypt, remember Joseph goes and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and there's a famine, plenty, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And he tells Pharaoh this, and Pharaoh gathers up, and the people are saved from the famine. Joseph's there. 
tells him all of this, becomes second only to Pharaoh in Egypt. Jacob's sons come down for corn because there's a famine everywhere else. And we're told, and I'm paraphrasing for time's sake, we're told in Genesis 46 and verse 27 that there were three score and ten or seventy, seventy souls come down of Jacob into Egypt. 400 years they populate and they grow as they're under the bondage and servitude of, of Pharaoh in Egypt. And take note here, brothers and sisters, by the time they're leaving, so numerous, what are they going to do? Think about this. Again, trusting God from the offset. They've been brought out through the blood of the Lamb. God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And they put the blood on the doorpost that God would see it as a token or a sign. Judgment didn't come near them. And the same as in Christ, if we're under the blood, there's no judgment to come near us. Now they're outside and they're in the wilderness. What are they going to do here? Because here they have, it's believed to be two to three million people. People think it's just a little track of a group of people that went through the Red Sea and so on. No, brothers and sisters, friends, listen. It's believed that there is more people come out of Egypt, more Israelites come out of Egypt than there are in the whole of Northern Ireland, maybe twice as many. Think about that. Two-thirds of the population of all of Ireland. With all their goods and with all their cattle and with all their camels or sheep and whatever, goats, whatever else they have. What are they going to do? God tells them to trust them and he brings them to this place of rest. Twelve wells and seventy palm trees. Why seventy? Could it be one for every soul that went in to Egypt? Seventy souls of Jacob Israel went into Egypt. One rep, palm tree represented every soul. But God's blessing, even through the hard time, brought them out. And those 12 tribes worth when they come out for 12 wells of water. 12 to drink at the spirit of the waters of, of living water. The trust in God. So I say this in closing. God's addition and God's blessing can still be seen although there's persecution. Ask the early church. Read about the early church. Through persecution, there was blessing. Read about the reformers. Read about the Puritans and the times of the reformers. Through persecution, God still blessed. God knew and God knows every single person and every single soul that went into Egypt and even the multitudinous, he knew everyone that came out of Egypt under the blood. There's room for you today at the cross. There's room for you in glory if you come by the way of the cross. He knows you intimately and deeply. He loves you. And he has made the provision for you to come. Must come his way. And trust in him. And God is a covenant keeping God to Jacob. He said to Jacob, your seed shall be. When the Old Testament, your seed shall be a, a nation and a company of nations. Or a commonwealth of nations. It's who we are today. We see it here. 
He has kept his word. He has kept his promises. He's fulfilling them daily. And again, he has made covenants with us that shall never be ratified or nullified by anyone else. God is interested in the great things. But God is also interested in the finer details of your life. God is interested in you. That's why he gave his son to die for you. Far as is the line of the crown. We're blessed in this nation. We have the crown. We have a royal throne. Not only in heaven, but in London. Strange as that last Sunday night I preached and I told the people that God will take a dealing with the church. God will take a dealing with the royal family. I preached that last Sunday night. And look what has happened this week. Go listen to it. And God will take a dealing with the governments and their wickedness. Their wicked laws. And God will take a dealing with you, my friend. We have the crown, but greater still, we have the uplifted red hot. (laughs) We have the blood of the everlasting covenant. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless his word to you today. Family, God bless you. God bless all of you coming from God's country of the shore in Belfast.